Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Valley, a service of Salem Media Group. With SRN News, I'm Bob Agnew in Washington. For the third time in two years, parts of the federal government are shut down. Budget Chief Mick Mulvaney ordering the heads of 15 cabinet-level departments and dozens of agencies to shut down at midnight after congressional leaders failed to strike a deal that includes funding for the border wall. While talks are expected to continue, no votes are scheduled. The full effect of the shutdown won't be felt until next Wednesday because of the weekend and the extended Christmas break. That is Capitol Hill correspondent Wally Hines reporting. Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg continues to rest up in a New York hospital following surgery yesterday to remove two malignant growths in her left lung. The third time the Supreme Court's oldest justice has been treated for cancer and her second stay at a hospital in two months. Worries over Ginsburg's health have been a constant of sorts for nearly 10 years and for liberals, especially in the last two years. This is SRN News. It's the kid in grade school who paints her face blue and white before every home game. It's the accountants and salesmen who give up their Friday evenings to referee. It's the cashier at the corner convenience store who wears school colors on every game day. What makes high school sports here in Minnesota so special? They do. You do. We all do. This message presented by the Minnesota State High School League and the Minnesota Interscholastic Athletic Administrators Association. This soldier greeting is brought to you by Schaefer Archery in Burnsville, servicing all your archery needs. Hi, this is PFC Kaylee Dobratz from Columbus, Minnesota, and I just want to say happy holidays to my family and my boyfriend, Miguel. Schaefer Archery is proud to salute our soldiers, serving to keep us safe this holiday. Schaefer Archery is your local archery expert, with great deals on bows from Matthews, Hoyt, and PSE. They have the perfect gift for the bow hunter in your life. Stop in and talk to the experts, or check them out at SchaeferArchery.com. Policies issued by American General Life Insurance Company, Houston, Texas. Not available in all states. For details, visit AIGdirect.com. If you're young and healthy, you don't need life insurance, right? Yeah, that's what I used to think, too, until my brother died at 38. Joe left his wife with two kids, a mortgage, and a stack of bills she couldn't pay. Mary had to sell the house and move everybody into this tiny two-bedroom apartment just to make ends meet. I never want to do that to my wife, so I got life insurance. I called AIG Direct and was really surprised how affordable it is. Just $14 a month for $250,000 of term life coverage. Listen, if you have a family, you should seriously think about getting life insurance. You'll feel a lot better having it. Trust me. Call AIG Direct for a free no-obligation quote. The call takes less than five minutes, and you could save up to 70%. Call now, 1-800-981-0472. That's Welcome back, King Banyan Show, Business 1440. 
good stuff, Andrew. Good, good, uh, good Christmas music with your kind of flavor. Excellent. Uh, six five one two eight nine four four seven seven. That's interesting. I uh, listener Frank uh, just uh, tweets at me. Can we really afford to assume journalists make stuff up? As, in re- reference to my comment about about the story that uh, Trump is talking about firing Powell. Let's remember. The, the administration of any White House or of any of any governor's mansion, as uh, as Governor Elect Walls is about to find out in a couple week time, includes people who don't share every last view that you have. So, my guess is there are people in the Trump White House who go out and tell reporters things that that um, tell tell reporters things that are. Um, uh, that are just uh, self-serving. They're not, in fact, things that uh, that that really reflect a considered opinion. Okay, do we think the president contacted his White House counsel to say, "What are the what are the cases in which I can fire a Federal Reserve president, a Federal Reserve chair?" No, I don't think so. Did he have somebody draft the mem- draft a memo? dismissing Chairman Powell. No. Because if they'd done that, that sure as heck would have been reported. Four people said he talked about it in the room. Is that true? Probably so. Good reporter probably probably made sure they had two or three people. But the two or three people who gave them the, or four people who gave that person that information probably said something to the effect of, yeah, he doesn't like him. He'd like to get rid of him. He he expressed his displeasure. He mentioned the idea that he he wishes he could fire him. That doesn't mean he's going to fire him because, honest to goodness, he can't. And most of the articles, even the Bloomberg article said, well, they can't do that. But then, then they go out and get someone to engage in rampant speculation. Oh, the financial markets would just have a meltdown if that if he was to fire fire Powell. It's like. Well, they would have a meltdown because Trump would be doing something that's not only unprecedented, but I believe is actually against the law. So, of course, they would have a meltdown. Why, why is that even a? Why is that even a, 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 a? Why is that even even under consideration? Of course, they would. That's a non-story. So I think I think there's I think there's I think there's less to that story than meets the eye, but I think in the desire to keep turning turning up the pressure and and, and so on 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 the on this administration, I think that's a story that had a uh, that had an ulterior motive uh, that wasn't uh, that that wasn't just simply uh, all all the all the news that fits. Or whatever it is that Bloomberg uses as its motto, I have no idea what that is. So, um, the um, you know, so so anyway, six five one two eight nine four four seven seven, the number to call, number to call questions and comments. Um, so, what would be wrong with having eight live meetings? I just don't think it would be that large. Let me let me again let me let's summarize. Let's summarize what we talked about in the last hour and and try to put a bow on this. We'll go on. We, we're not going to just talk about the Fed for another hour, okay? It's not to me. To me, the market reaction to this was an overreaction. 
There was no reason to believe that the Fed would not raise rates in December. They had given every indication that they were going to do so. They had also given every indication that they wanted a change in the, in the policy communicating system. And so they acted on it. And part of the act on it was to say, we're going to have a press conference after every meeting. We're not going to leave you just twisting in the wind there without giving you, you know, they didn't pull back the statement of economic projections, but they're not going to double the number of times to make the projection. Also, goodness, there isn't enough, there isn't enough that changes within a quarter to cause you to do two different forecasts. I know there are now casters that are incorporating every last little bit of information to try to update their number for current quarter GDP or something or current quarter inflation or or so on. Yes. Okay. There are there are things you can use to do that. Um that's fine. I but I don't think most I think for the most part those are captured in in sort of the market in, in the ways of the the uh, blue chip consensus on the on the bigger numbers on the smaller numbers like the monthly unemployment rate. I understand it's a big number but but there's 12 of them, so you're really and you're working with more micro-oriented data. Um, there are plenty of people out there who use uh, ADP and the the unemployment insurance numbers and challenger gray layoff numbers to create a to create a number for that. That's you don't need the you don't need the wisdom of the of wisdom. My my air quotes are are waggling up here. Um, uh, you don't need the wisdom of the market to tell you, in fact, you, you know, tell to tell you uh, what's happening from from within every six to eight weeks uh, at the time they meet eight times a year. So that's going to be yeah, perhaps about every seven weeks. You don't need that. Indeed, I would say if the SEP uh, if the SEP releases were cut to two times a year, that'd be perfectly fine by me. But I think it's an interesting insight into what the governors and presidents are thinking that I like having that. I think that was a useful part of the communication policy. But remember what, it, what was determined, right? The Federal Reserve lowered the rate to zero. We're going to talk a little bit more about this in a moment. But they lowered the rate to zero, and they were determined to leave it there for some indefinite length of time, which ended up being almost seven years. So how, if they weren't going to change the Fed funds rate, how was it that they were going to communicate what they thought the Federal what monetary policy would be going forward, except by having these communication strategies? That is why Bernanke was out there. Bernanke and then Yellen went to the microphone those four times to say, since we're not going to change rates, since a price isn't going to change to tell you what we're thinking, we're just going to come sit at this table and tell you. We're going to give you guidance that rate increases are coming or that rate increases are not coming. Okay, the, the language before it said, you know, gradual further rate increases are likely was... No, no rate increases are anticipated for an indefinite period of time, or for a, and 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 you remember there was a big fight over taking out the word indefinite, and eventually making it near future, and then eventually, three three years ago, starting the rate increases. 
So that the communication strategy was born out of the fact that they couldn't use they couldn't use the a change in the interest rate to communicate what was happening and they only had three times where they could come out and say something regarding quantitative four times where they could come out and say something about quantitative easing which takes me to the next point they don't want to communicate about quantitative easing indeed there's a clip let me go find find the transcript i didn't have anybody pull, pull this out because i was i was a little concerned about about what would happen here let me i'm, I'm scrolling back scrolling back here we go um uh, Michael McKee from Bloomberg, who you hear here on Business 1440 from time to time if you listen to us during the week. Uh, um, Mike McKee says, uh, talked about balance sheet reduction, quantitative tightening. How much additional tightening do you think has come from that? We know in the markets that the cost of credit rising, commercial paper, repo rates, the TED spread widening. Do you see any concerns about the availability or the price of credit that could slow markets? And if in 2019 we see the economy start to slow, would you, if you don't adjust the balance sheet, be risking too much tightening? Now, Don on Twitter asked me about the very same question that Michael McKee asked Jay Powell on Wednesday. So it's worth me telling you, what did Powell say? He says, well, we do watch all of that, but the amount of runoff that we've had so far is pretty small. Indeed, the runoff has been about eight or nine percent of the balance sheet most of that reducing excess reserves excess reserves has fallen by a by a much bigger fraction so if you think about the size of the total balance sheet the total balance sheets come down by nine percent but since excess reserves are about half of that balance sheet you can do the math the decrease in excess reserves is is in the 16 to 18 percent range so if you just run quantitative easing models in reverse, you'd get a pretty small adjustment in economic growth and real outcomes. He says that in the second sentence. And this this was, by the way, the sentence that I was going to have Andrew try to pull, but it's in the middle of this very long, very long uh, uh, press conference, and, and, and it's too much work to go find it, and we didn't have enough time. So, um, So we don't think... Things are happening in the short run at the short end are driven by many other factors other than the balance sheet runoff. So what he's saying is, is in fact, he didn't believe that the Fed doesn't believe quantitative tightening is having much effect. But he says that on the basis of, I think, pretty solid evidence. So my question back to all of you who are upset that, well, he didn't talk about quantitative tightening. He basically said it's still on autopilot. And that word, he uses it later, autopilot, makes the market go cuckoo. You're not going to slow that down. You're re decreasing the amount of liquidity in the market. This is terrible. What it, The question finally gets asked, first on Friday, yesterday, by uh, John Williams, the president of the New York Federal Reserve, and then gets amplified by John Taylor, uh, former chair of the Council of Economic Advisors for for uh, George uh, George W. Bush and uh, also also uh, uh, also uh, a uh, former Undersecretary of the Treasury. How many of you believe that quantitative easing lowered interest rates by a substantial amount? How many How many of us believe that that was true? 
The people who are complaining that quantitative tightening is causing something awful are basically saying quantitative easing was extraordinarily effective and made the markets grow. Do you believe that to be true? As Taylor pointed out on Bloomberg yesterday, here, and I think you, you could have heard it here on, the, here on the station, that wasn't the case. Quantitative easing didn't have a whole lot of impact on, what, on financial conditions. And so what Powell is saying, let me read that again, if you just run the quantitative easing models in reverse, you would get a pretty small adjustment in economic growth and real outcomes. In other words, quantitative easing didn't have a big effect on real GDP going up, so we don't believe it's going to have a big effect on GDP going in reverse. So if you're going to argue that quantitative tightening is not being taken into account, his answer is, it is. It's just not that big a deal. We'll be back after this. You're listening to The King Banyan Show on Business 1440. So you've been exploring solutions for your hair loss. You've seen ads from the national chains. You've researched the alternative products that cost a fortune, but there seem to be no guarantees. So here's good news for you. This is Dennis Prager. Go to INeedMoreHair.com and see what their hair transplant specialists are doing for men and women like you. The consultations are free. Their doctors have given patients in Hollywood and worldwide a full head of hair. They can do the same for you. You'll see a more confident reflection of yourself. In fact, they guarantee your results in writing, and their prices are some of the best in the business, as low as $3 per graft. So stop searching and go to INeedMoreHair.com. You have nothing to lose. Call their office in Egan for your free consultation. I need morehair.com. Experience you can trust, prices you can afford. Get the permanent solution to your hair loss at I need morehair.com. Hi, this is Lee with the Kingdom Builders Roofing. The Lord's blessings are around us all the time. Look for them, enjoy them, share them, share Him. May we also exhort and encourage one another to be listed as good and faithful servants. I really appreciate the guys that I work with, and I'm very confident, especially in the sales guys, Tim and Matt, when they're in somebody's house, they're going to treat them like I would treat a customer, which is with sincerity and gentleness and caring. We would like you to come away from a meeting with us knowing that regardless of where our relationship goes, you are confident that we have your best interests at heart. This is Matthew with the Kingdom Builders. We strive to have our standard be God's standard. And we're here to reaffirm something we've always stood for. We're not salespeople. We're just great roofers. Give us a call at 612-900-9166 or look us up at thekingdombuilders.net. This is David Davenport of the Hoover Institution for townhall.com. Politicians never learn. They win an election and overplay their so-called mandate with sweeping policy proposals. Senator Bernie Sanders wants the Democratic House to pass Medicare for All, free college tuition, and a $15 minimum wage. Not to be outdone, the new socialist member, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, wants a Green New Deal remaking the American economy. 
In California, the Democrats seek universal early childhood education, Medi-Cal for illegal immigrants, and a free year of community college. President Bill Clinton thought he had a mandate and sought major health care reform in vain. President George W. Bush said he had earned political capital and tried to spend it on Social Security reform. That didn't work either. Just because you win an election does not mean that people want all your crazy ideas and spending. I'm David Davenport. The Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Impacting policy decisions today. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. Welcome back, King Banyan Show, Business 1440. So let's explain what's happening here to you as we make a forecast for 20, 2019 as we start down that, that pathway. Probably next week's show we're going to do more of a, more of an interview-based show. I'm trying to line up a couple guests to join me on the show next week one of them uh, one of them uh, hopefully is my colleague who can give uh, um, who can give us a good view of what's happening with Brexit and then also um, uh, an old favorite and he's already confirmed so I can mention next week Phil Kirpin uh, returns to the King Banyan show this time talking about uh, the subsidization of renewable energy sources um, I, I believe in all above energy I want all those things to happen but I'm not sure the subsidization of these things makes a lot of sense and indeed i'm very interested in in connecting those thoughts to what i'm talking about today all of the expansion of credit that's happened through qe1 through qe4 okay through all through all of that what happened what happened was of course we encourage people to go into risk assets these have included things called CLOs, now called uh, 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 collateralized loan obligations, which are which are a kissing cousin of uh, the CDOs that were marketed before the Great Recession uh, in 2005, 2006, 2007. And we had CDO squareds and CDO cubes, all of these financial derivative products that that frankly, when I was a when I was a young uh, economist in training and I took courses in finance we never heard of these things these were all kind of new instruments that were created uh, by by people who were much better at financial engineering who were who the computers made them more clever but they created things that had a lot of risk have you noticed the one thing that's happened along with the rise in interest rates have you noticed the one price that has changed and in which direction it's changed it's the price of oil, and it's going in the opposite direction. Why do you suppose that is? Because all of a sudden, the price of credit rising means that, that those folks who invested at very low interest rates into shale fields now have to pay more to, to finance or to, to service the debt that they took on in, in the drilling. And so now the now oil prices have dropped dramatically as as uh, and to the point where OPEC is trying to raise prices. Trust me, I I love the fact that many of the shale operators are saying we can make money at $35 oil. 
fantastic. Pour it on. Okay, it's holiday weekend, and the price of oil, at least here, in the price of a gallon of gas here in St. Cloud is hovering right around 203. All right, proving me wrong. I was pretty sure that the dip we saw three weeks ago would be temporary, the, that the OPEC would figure things out, and this and this happened. And I'm like, why, why is the price still going down? Well, then it dawns on me. All of those all of those loans that were taken out with floating rate floating rate uh, instruments by the drillers by the by the field developers have in fact have in fact spun around have spun around and turned to tur- turn to pumping at at whatever rate they can get because they need to pay off their loans because they don't want to be caught. They don't want to be caught having the the, the price of uh, debt service uh, going up rapidly on what seems like to be pretty thin pro- uh, profit margins that they already have. Once it might go lower, if it turns out OPEC doesn't get its act together and move move uh, oil prices higher. I thought they would, but it's beginning to look like they won't. Compare what's happening here to what's happening in Europe, and I think this is where the concern about what's hap- what's happened with with Powell and the and the Fed is really beginning to bite. As as I was talking to this group uh, on Wednesday, and and my thanks again to those listeners those listeners of this show who were there on Wednesday. What it was a great group and great feedback. Uh, my thanks to uh, uh, Jack Thompson for inviting me to speak to the group. It was. Uh, I I just had a fantastic time uh, with it. Uh, the questions were the questions were fabulous. But I thought to my but as I pointed out, there are risks all around Europe. I'm not even talking about Brexit today. I don't need to. I'll talk a little bit about it next week with, with if if we can get uh, if we can get my colleague uh, uh, Rich to join us. Uh, we'll talk about it next week. We're we're planning to take a group of about. 20 or so students on a trip uh, a trip through uh, England and Ireland, uh, Scotland, Northern Ireland, through the entire area. We'll miss Wales, unfortunately. Uh, but, but otherwise, we'll catch every corner of the, of the country on an on 11-day a trip uh, in March. Um, we're, hoping, we're hoping that uh, we'll have some more clarity on that, but we'll, we'll talk about that then. Set that aside. You've got the issue of Italian banks. They're concerned to me. You've got the issue of the of the uh, yellow vest and the fact that the French debt is, you know, French bond issuance has to go up now because Macron needs to buy off the rioters in the yellow vest. In Germany, you have a change in government coming, or at least in the leadership of the current government. We haven't even we haven't even started to flesh that out. And then this week, China held its uh, economic working working group together to do its 2019 plans, and it's planning for massive tax cuts to try to stem a slowing economy, slowing economic growth. Yes, I saw. I, I've started reading the the South China Morning Post, and I put up a few pieces for you on, uh, on the Twitter feed at pound KBRS. Talk about what's hap- what's happening there. 
but I, uh, what's happening there. But in essence, they believe that they need additional stimulus. The ECB announced this past week, uh, this is from a piece written by the esteemable uh, 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 Christopher Whalen at the Institutional Risk Analyst. Uh, the European Central Bank announced that it's ending QE. It's not going to buy additional additional risk assets to its to its balance sheet, but neither is it going to run off. Well, remember the Fed didn't go straight from from QE four to QT. It spent some period of time reinvesting maturing assets, mature, maturing debt back into the market at the same rate. And that looks like it will continue for the ECB for the foreseeable future. But he then, but then Whalen writes, the list of banks in Europe that are effectively insolvent is long and growing, in part because of the EU banking system is not particularly profitable. Strong banks are profitable banks. Profits allow you to build capital and deposits and fund credit losses. For the banks of Europe, and particularly nations like Italy, far too often there is little or no real profitability. This leads banks to hide credit losses and asset quality problems. We were amused to read that Qatar is considering increasing its stake in Deutsche Bank, as the newspaper Handelsblatt reported on last Sunday. This brings back memories of a decade ago when Korea Development Bank was touted to be looking to acquire Lehman Brothers. Of course, a decade ago, Lehman Brothers became became at least illiquid and probably was insolvent. When DB needed what DB Beep, 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 beep,